episode of the Classic Pickup Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Whips, and I hope you enjoy this episode. This podcast is sponsored by Classic Pickup Supplies, your number one Ford and Chev pickup parts supplier. Mention Classic Truck for a 10% discount off your first order. Classic Pickup Supplies, located in Coolum Beach, Queensland. Call 07 5446 2667. Or visit their website, www.classicpickupsupplies.com.au. Classic Pickup Supplies, dedicated to the restoration and preservation of the pickup. Episode 39. I've been looking forward to this one for a long time, and Scott and I have been uh, trying to get together a good time that we could do this interview. He's in California and very busy man, so we've been chatting since before Pikes Peak and had a, had a few possible dates and times and finally got this together so really enjoyed having a chat to scott about his uh his 49 ford f1 uh old smoky so most people would have seen this truck i think on on social media and if you haven't um definitely worth a bit of a look not a not a classic build that's for sure you know just uh, a really wild out there uh race truck so if you've never seen it before, uh, you know, have a look. You might enjoy it. Um, and if you've been following Scott for a while and, and the Hoonigan gang, you've probably seen the truck and uh, very interesting to hear a bit of the history and, and how this all got put together. So really enjoyed chatting to Scott and I, I hope you enjoy this episode. Okay, Scott, thanks for joining us on the podcast, mate. It's uh, We've been to and fro a bit trying to find some time in your schedule. You're a busy man, but thanks for finally sitting down and having a chat with me. Well, thanks for having me on. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh I'm sure most people listening to the podcast will be no stranger to your truck. It gets a lot of uh, attention on social media, but we'll get into that soon. I, w- I wanted to go back and, and, you know, see where all this craziness stemmed from. Do you, do you remember as a young bloke, you know, what your first memories are of, of automotive? What influenced you? Oh, God. Uh, Evil Knievel, Monster Truck, Formula One, like, I mean, if it was cool and fast, like I thought it was cool when I was a kid, yeah, you know, and I was always, uh, I was always really into like semi trucks. Like I thought semi trucks were the coolest thing in the world. Like I would, uh, I would ride my big wheel down to the, down to the end of the street and, you know, make the big rigs honk when they went by and that always, always freaked my mom out. But <laughs> I don't know if it, it, I've, I've been, I've been fascinated with things with wheels as long as I can remember. Yeah. Was, was your dad an automotive guy? He liked cars, but we were. We were always pretty poor, so there wasn't a lot of money for, like, any fun cars or project cars or anything like that. We had an old, uh, we had an old 65 GMC truck that we would tinker with, but, you know, back then it wasn't really, it was just, you know, 20-year-old piece of junk truck. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, I don't know, I, my dad, we, part of the reason I raised Pikes Peak is because, you know, it was one of the one of the memories I have with my dad. Like we would sit and watch Pikes Peak on on T V when it used to be uh you know, nationally televised and always watch the Indy five hundred and the Daytona five hundred with him and he was he really liked automobile racing and just never you know, it's too bad, but he never really had the money to to uh have his own cool cars. Yeah. Yeah. 
And then what, what would have been the first car you bought with your own money? Oh, God. I bought a uh, 1978 Volkswagen Dasher. <laughs> it's the it's the B1 Passat everywhere else. But, uh, man, it was mine, and I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. So I bought it, and first thing I did is put a big stereo in it and lower it. And, I mean, it was it was the worst car ever, but, man, I thought it was cool. Yeah. That's the standard teenager story, isn't it? Like you get something that's not cool and just try and make it cool and then enjoy it. Yeah, because it's your first car. Like it doesn't, I don't care if it's a, what, you know, it could be a Hyundai Excel from like 1985. Like it's still cool because it's your car. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to ask, you don't have to ask mom if you can take it down the road or something. No, no, it might be a huge piece of shit, but it's your piece of shit, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, cool. And then what did that morph into? You know, were you were you a bit of a, a muscle car guy, you know, growing up or, or what was your background? Um man, I've always I've had everything. So my second car what was my second car? My second car was a I had a uh ninety one Nissan that I bought brand new and it was a truck and I slammed that thing and put a big stereo in. I guess I was like really into mini trucks. Yeah. That was my first thing. And then after that I got into low riders. So I had a 62 Buick Wildcat and I, you know, it had, had hydraulics and it had, uh, four pumps or wait, no. Yeah. Four pumps, four dumps and 12 switches and it had low riders hydraulics on it and I had the 13 by seven inch, you know, wheel wheels on it with the little skinny white walls and, you know, so I was, I was, I was into the low rider thing for a while. Yeah. I actually had that car up until two years ago uh when the when the fires came through california and it and it burned up in my house so oh, and i just finished restoring it oh really yeah so <laughs> if you know anyone with a 62 wildcat laying around i'm looking for one i'd be i'd be amazed if there was one in australia at all to be honest with you <laughs> i'd i'd be amazed if there was five or six of them left in in the united states so they're they're pretty rare cars and did did you have the wire wheels like the full the full low rider look? No, I, yeah, I had the full low rider look, but I had the uh, Supremes on it, not the uh, not the wire wheels. Yeah. So the Supremes the Supremes looked like a uh, skinny spoked Kragar. Yeah, yeah. There's still a there's still a pretty big scene of that you know that hydraulic low rider stuff over there, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I don't I don't think that'll ever die. It's huge in Japan too. There's a giant low rider culture in Japan. Yeah, Japanese. I think the, the Japanese guys just do anything that the Americans have done. Like it seems like their 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 side culture is to do the American thing, which is interesting. That's a big thing there. They take they take anything from Western culture, and they almost re-engineer it better. <laughs> you know, yeah. like I I've seen I've seen the level of lowriders in Japan, and they, it's insane. Like their their level of detail on same thing with like mini trucks are a big thing in Japan now. Yeah. And uh they just they they just take it to a whole not you know, take it to a whole nother level. Like I yeah, everything. Like anything the Japanese do, they take it and they 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 do it to like the 10th degree of whatever it can be done at. Yeah. Yeah, I I lived in Japan in uh well, going back a ways now, to, in 1998 I lived there and uh 
and the big thing at that time was like minivans or you know like just family vans and they had these full body <laughs> kits and they were slammed to the ground the Bo- and the Bosuzoku oh so cool <laughs> yeah with the crazy exhaust and the big fins on them and everything else yeah yeah that never really took off here I don't think no <laughs> I don't think it ever will <laughs> <laughs> those things are pretty wild yeah cool and so um so Business-wise, I mean, you, you build race cars, but what, what did you do before then? What, how did you get your skills and, and what sort of education did you get that led you that way? Well, my, my skills started tinkering with my own stuff, you know, and, uh, you know, ranging from being a little kid, like taking my dad's stereos apart. But, you know, when it really started was um, they don't really have that in, in, the, in the States here much anymore but it's shop class you know like uh auto shop yeah you know where they teach you how to do brakes and disassemble engines and rebuild an engine etc i mean that's where i really started to get a love for it and then i mean i'm i'm self-taught like everything everything i do it's i figured out by trial and error or you know read books and then you know just you know i went to i went to college to be an engineer so i use a lot of those principles you know engineering fundamentals and just i don't know self-taught i just build i just build stuff i i've i've got a very mechanical mind and i i feel like i can just uh look at something and see how it works and and uh build my version of it yeah yeah that's cool and and once you get the right tooling like the equipment to do that you sort of the sky's the limit isn't it it really is like i i tell my guys at the shop like if we need any tool to get any specific job done then we will buy it because it's it's a it's always an investment in our future work not just what we're doing now so if i need like we have everything at the shop so we've got old school metal working tools all the way up to the you know high tech tig welders and and scanners and everything else so yeah i mean if it's if it's something we can use i buy it yeah yeah that's awesome so when when did you start chuckles garage and and what's the sort of story behind that um i started chuckles garage in 2005 or 2006 i always get it mixed up but I, I essentially i was i was done with the corporate world i couldn't i couldn't handle it anymore and uh i just took everything i'd i'd earned doing that and started my own shop and haven't looked back since what was what was your corporate stuff was that just doing engineering work in an office kind of uh, i was doing engineering work and then you know then the big tech crunch happened and the jobs were getting farmed out everywhere and a lot of the stuff I was doing that was being farmed out to India. And, and so, you know, I lost, I lost my last tech job. And then I went to, then I had, then I went and got the worst job I've ever had in my entire life. I was uh, hired on as a district manager for Home Depot with no experience or anything. They just, they just saw the, uh, they just saw the schooling I had and they were like, you're in. (laughs) you know, unfortunately, unfortunately, I I I uh, interviewed very well with them, and uh, they were they were really into me, so they hired me. And God, that was the worst. I will I hate Home Depot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was just it was the worst. And so finally, I just got sick of that. I took everything I had and I put it into my shop. And you know, first couple of years were I was pretty poor. I was basically a hobo. But uh, you know, after that. It just it started looking up, and I built a I built a few notable cars, and 
here I am. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's awesome. And, uh, and so I guess that leads us to, you know, why you're on my radar is, you know, you have a, a 1949 Ford F1 and, you know, was, was that something that you were looking for or just something that you, you came across? What, what was the story behind finding that truck? Um, so the, my, uh, my tool guy that has a tool truck that comes by the shop, he stopped in and he said, Hey, I was just at this other shop and, and I, they had this neat old truck outside. And, you know, I think, I think he doesn't want much for it. You should go check it out. So, you know, I'm, I'm always looking for cars to like flip at the shop. Yeah. So if I buy low, sell high, make make a few bucks and, you know, have some, uh, have some funny money. But so I went and looked at it and it was, I thought it was pretty cool. So we started negotiating and I ended up, I bought it for 225 bucks. <laughs> nice. And, um, right. I know <laughs> <laughs> that's un that is unheard of. You can't buy a fender for $225 now. Not anymore. So I got it back to the shop and I set it over in the corner and it just, it just sat there. I'm like, you know, eventually I'll go out there and power wash it, clean it up and then just flip it. Yeah. So I went out there and cleaned it up and, I thought to my, you know, I'm just going to make this into like a reliable shop truck we can use to run around. It'll, it'll be cool little thing to have. So I put a diesel engine in it and I put, you know, disc brake conversion and, you know, the standard street rotter stuff on it. And, uh, and then, you know, I, I, I have the worst self-restraint of anyone <laughs> and, uh, it just, it snowballed. And before I knew it, it had like a tube chassis and thousand horsepower twin turbo and, and then, you know, we took it to SEMA in 2016, and it was a huge hit then. We got a Car and Driver magazine's 10 best of SEMA there. Uh, and then I just enjoyed it for a little bit, and, you know, my lack of self-restraint uh, got me again, and then I turned it into a race truck. And, I mean, now it's history now. I was like, I, it's, it's the, you know, eventually started racing Pikes Peak with it, and, now it's the fastest diesel ever up Pikes Peak. So, yeah, yeah, it's amazing. It's kind of a trippy story. Yeah. So, so the, so I guess there's, I don't know, there's, there's probably two or three phases of the build for this truck, but you know, phase one, right. uh, you put a five nine what common rail in there? No. So phase, I think we're on like phase six now. <laughs> <laughs> so phase phase one was, um, you know, like a Willwood disc brake upgrade. You know, four-link suspension in the back, uh, 14-bolt rear end with some 17-by-9-inch wheels all the way around, like steel wheels, and it was slammed really low, and it had a single turbo on it, and that, and then, you know, a bench seat, and that was stage one. And so that truck never got finished, and when I went to stage two with it, and stage two was, you know, this wild common rail, or the 5.9 common rail with compound turbos on it, you know, tube chassis in the back and just really nasty street truck. What was your, what was the motivation to put a, a diesel in it? Was that just, you had an old Dodge Ram sitting there that, that looked like it needed chopped up or was that something you were always thinking about doing? Um, there was a diesel shop next to me and, you know, I've always had, I always had uh, Dodge trucks for towing and everything. Yeah. And he, he had a common rail truck that made like 900 horsepower and that, that fascinated me. I'm like, how do these dinosaurs spin that fast? Yeah. So, and then, you know, so I found an old wrecked 
third gen Dodge, so it had the P pump 5.9 in it, and that's that's what we started with. But you know, I'm kind of a kind of a tech nerd a little bit too, and I saw the advantage of the common rail, you know, being laptop tunable and less smoke, and you can really make more efficient power with it. So then that's where version two started, and then version three was, you know, a the same truck but much more track oriented. Like it was basically set up for road racing. And then version four and up from that has just been a full blown, you know, Pikes Peak Hill Climb truck. Yeah, and it's it's running a six seven now? Yeah, I run a, a Freedom Racing Engines six seven common rail. You know, at Pikes Peak we run it between nine hundred and a thousand horsepower, but it's capable of Fourteen to sixteen hundred, if you really want to turn the screws up. Yeah, it's outrageous. So, yeah, the fun part is it makes uh, over two thousand pound feet of torque when it's turned up. Yeah, yeah, they're monsters. Yeah, I've, I've got a five nine um, P pump in my Chev truck that I'm building at the moment, and uh, yeah, I was sort of staring down the idea of putting compounds on it just for a bit better. Uh, I'm going to use it just as a work truck and a bit of towing and. Um, Nothing quite like what you've done to yours, but uh, yeah, if you do a a small set of compounds are great for towing, especially if you get some good injectors. Yeah, get a hit up hit up my boy over at a hit up Lenny at Dynamite Diesel, and he can uh, they make a really good uh, twelve valve injector. Cool, yeah. So yeah, so let's talk let's talk Pikes Peak. You know, you you had your first run. What year was it? Was it last year or the year before the the first run you had up there? Um, last year was my third year. Third year, yeah, right. So 2018 was my first year. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'd never never run the race before. And, uh, you know, but I've been a professional road racer for, you know, 20 plus years. So, you know, I get I get out there and I probably got, probably got a little more, um, little more confidence than I should. And I ended up tossing it off the mountain uh, into an embankment and into some trees. <laughs> <laughs> so uh that that year that year ended pretty abruptly where we thought it would so we actually put it on the trailer drove all the way back to california fixed it in eight days and got back in time to qualify wow but then the then the engine exploded during qualifying so we uh kind of headed home headed home with my tail between my legs but then i came back in 2019 and, uh, you know, with a little more respect for the mountain and, you know, a lot of changes to the truck. And I set the fastest uh, diesel qualifying time um, that's, you know, ever been laid down. So then that that really had me stoked. And I I was sure that I would get the record on race day. And then it rained. <laughs> so uh, nothing was happening there. So I did a, I did a run in the rain. Um, you know, <laughs> it was horrifying because driving a truck like that up Pikes Peak in the rain is pretty, pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, and, and were you, were you spending time, you know, on a simulator? Were, were you doing runs up that mountain on a computer simulated setup or, or was that just pure driving? Oh yeah. So no, I've got a, I've got a simulator at home. Um, I run a game called Dirt Rally and it's, and it's pretty accurate, but I've got the, uh, the seat and the steering wheel and the pedals and everything is set up like, you know, the same same distances away as Old Smokey. So 
you know, just to get just to get the memory of where the corners are, I, I've done that countless hundreds of times. Yeah, because that would be my biggest problem. And I, I find this even when I go mountain biking, you know, like even trails I ride quite often, I've got in my head that, oh, there's a feature around this corner and I fly around the corner and I'm like, oh, no, that's the other corner and, and I've got it wrong now. You know, if you're in a, a race racetrack coming around a corner and you've got the wrong corner, you're in trouble, right? Exactly. So that's the thing about Pikes Peak. If you... If you forget where you're at, you're you're in an absolute world of hurt. You are just you are just screwed, because I feel like once you get past the tree line, every corner looks the same. Yeah. And um, you know, there's there's decreasing radius corners. There's there's corners that just like a hairpin out of nowhere, and so you you really have to know where everything's at because to get to get a good fast run up the mountain you have to be committed around these corners you can't just you can't just pussyfoot around like oh is this corner going to turn on me or is this not okay i'll go slow here well you can't do that so you either memorize it or or you'd be really good at saving it if, when you make mistakes so yeah and it's it's not like a rally sort of setup where you have a navigator you know you just you're in there on your own aren't you mm-hmm. yep Yep, and GPS isn't going to help you because I don't even think you can get a GPS signal up there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's wild. So what's what's the length? It's 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 156 turns up the hill. How far do you travel? I think it's 12.4 miles from start to finish, and then you start you start at around 6,000 feet of elevation and you end at 14,500. Yeah, and that's got to really affect you know if you're running say a carbureted engine that that have a huge effect on the performance on its way up, wouldn't it? Oh yeah, I I don't think anyone runs carburation anymore. Yeah, but everything everything's fuel injection. Um, a lot of the open wheel cars, you know, run in methanol, and everything has a turbo on it. And if it doesn't have a turbo, it is going very slow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could you can have a 500 horsepower car at the bottom, and then a 250 horsepower car at the top. That's overheating. <laughs> yeah. So the altitude is is everything there, like. And you definitely have to have turbos or a supercharger, or you're not going anywhere. Yeah, yeah. And and when we were messaging to line this up, it, you know, it was pre Pike's Peak, and you were sort of in the in the crunch, and we were messaging back and forth a little bit. And I think you you messaged me that you'd blown a motor up. Did that happen just prior to the race? Oh, I think we cooked three of them leading up to Pike's Peak this year. Yeah, right. Diesel diesels are awesome, but these these diesel engines have to run in a very specific area or they explode. You know, if your exhaust temperatures get too high, boom. You know, piston speed gets too high, boom. <laughs> they're just they're they are they are happy where where they need to be and they are very unhappy if they go out of out of performance parameters anywhere. Yeah, well, I mean two hundred and twenty five dollar truck, I'm guessing it owes you a little bit more than that now, huh? Um yeah, we're we're in the mid fours, yeah, um, and not four thousand. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I figure after, so we're we're it's going through a complete revamp um, this year in the off season for Pikes Peak next year, and you know it'll be it'll easily be in the in the you know half million dollar range at that point. Yeah, I mean the the, the components we have on that truck are are just world class stuff. I, I got. I'm very blessed with with having a lot of really, um, you know, top line partnerships on this truck. So, 
it only it only gets the best of the best. Yeah, and and do you think that having the diesel in there? I mean, you know, you've created this, I suppose, a challenge. How fast can we make a diesel truck go up a hill? You know, like if if you were ultimately mm-hmm. going to put any engine in that truck to get it up the hill the fastest, would would you put something else in there, or the diesels kind of for what you for what you're doing, you think it's the right motor, or it's just a good challenge to be doing in this truck? It's a good challenge because there's, I feel like, you know, like, let's say I wanted to put a Judd V10 in it or something like that, or, or, you know, a, a NASCAR specific engine in it. You know, there's, there's tons of racing specific engines that would be worlds better than what I'm doing, but I, I don't feel like there's any accomplishment in that. Yeah. There's nobody has ever taken a Cummins, you know, pickup engine and, and brought it to the top of Pike's Peak. I mean, semi trucks have done it, but I mean, even the record we bet that I bested uh, was by factory Mercedes Benz, and they did it in an all-wheel drive, you know, touring car with with a uh, with a world champion rally driver in it. So totally, totally different, different thing. So yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's a, it's essentially a, a high tech tractor motor, and it's in a seventy one year old truck. So yeah, it's just a hundred percent of awesomeness, really. Right. Yeah. It's like it. I <laughs> what what did one of the guys at the one of the other racers? He's he saw he told me I couldn't possibly pick something farther from a race car to turn into a race car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's one step off a Volkswagen bus, really. Pretty much. I mean, I I assume they both they're both about as aerodynamic as each other. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and and the no- notoriety that you've you've gotten from this truck, you know, that wouldn't have happened if it was a a more modern race car looking thing, and it wouldn't have happened if you know it had a different engine in it. I guess it's it just stands out. Everyone looks at it and goes, "That shouldn't be able to do that." And and that's really, you know, I, I imagine even as a business model, that's been very advantageous to you. Oh, it's, it's been great because, you know, I build, uh, you know, BMW and Porsche and, you know, you know, domestic road racing cars at my shop. And if I can take a 71 year old pickup truck that was $200 and put a tractor engine in it and get up Pike's peak faster than any other diesel that's ever done it. It's like, you know, I can definitely take your modern car and make it go faster on the track too. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, we're, I'm booked out like over a year at the shop for work. So, I mean, it's definitely helped my business. So, uh, what about, you know, I, I know Volkswagen took an electric race car up there. Was it a couple of years ago and, and set a new record? I mean, that thing was lightning fast. What do you, what do you think the future of, of this sort of racing looks like? Uh, unfortunately, I think, I think the record holders are are going to be electric and for the sole reason being the electric car runs exactly the same at the bottom as it does at the top. So they're not fighting as long as they can get their batteries to last all the way up and not overheat, Mm. which obviously they figured, they figured that technology out. They're not really fighting any performance demons. You know, you're not fighting, you know, your air air fuel ratio going super lean up top because you've got no more air and you, you know, you've got, 100% of your horsepower and torque at zero RPM. Yeah. 
I mean, it's uh, it's not like cheating to me, but I just uh, I just don't. I'm not really that interested in in electric power because it, you know, all the sights and smells and sounds aren't there. It, it sounds like a it sounds like a kid's remote control car going up the hill. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because I mean, we we've grown up generation to generation, and and in our subconscious mind, loud and and you know, rumbling equals power and fast, doesn't it? It does in our minds, but in actual application, uh, there's not a lot of streetcars out there that can beat you know your your boring vanilla Tesla with you know ludicrous mode on it <laughs> it's just i mean they're they're just so incredibly fast i mean they can't sustain that speed but i mean if you're if if you just like the feeling of getting pushed back in your seat like the electric electric is where it's at have you had a bit of a play in in some electric cars mm, no i've had i've had plenty of offers to build one i just if if as long as i can stay on my piston driven stuff i'll be happy yeah and i'm not really at, at this point i'm not really interested in them yeah that's cool no i mean you do what you do very well you might as well stick to it that's for sure yeah because for me it's all about the experience you know i don't when i drive an electric car like sure the rush of the acceleration is fun but but there's nothing after that like they don't you know they don't have turbo noises or rumbling exhausts or or smells or vibrations or anything like that. It's all, it's just kind of a vanilla experience, I guess. Yeah, no, I hear you. So uh, I was going to ask you about, about the truck. I mean, when you wrecked it at Pikes Peak there, unfortunately you lost the, the you know, the matching patina front sheet metal off that thing. And did you, <laughs> yeah. did, did you put real Ford steel back on there or, or have you got like a fiberglass front clip now? What's the setup at the moment? So the the clip on it now. So it was all this mat, this beautiful matching blue and green and white and red patina that it had before it, because it, uh, you know, it was a farm truck, so it had been brush painted, yeah, you know, four or five times, and you know, all the different levels of paint color were showing through, and mostly the blue, and it was so cool. But I, I mean, I hit the, I hit the mountain so hard it just mangled it beyond belief. So uh, I had a friend bring me a complete front end off an F5 or an F6, and uh, that's what it's got now. And it's, it's black with rust. So yeah, so it's got the the bigger front guard openings. Yeah, it's got the it's got the much bigger front wheel well openings, which which are a big advantage because before the when the the tires were so tucked up into the wheel well it was kind of a pain in the butt and they would rub once in a while but now it's just got these huge wheel arches and kind of works out yeah yeah that's awesome i i just bought a 48 patina pickup actually it's over there in the states and getting it shipped back and uh it's got tailgate guards everything matching patina it's just like perfect except for that one little panel between the front guards above the grill where the where the hood clips down, it's just missing that one panel, and I'm, right. I'm spewing. But I'm going to have to try and match it to uh, to look good. But yeah, I, I love the trucks. They're such a just such a classic shape. So I might I might be able to help you there. I've got a few of these parts, so we'll have to uh, we'll have to connect on that. Maybe I can send you something that that works for it. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Send me the old blue one off uh, off the original old Smoky. That'd be pretty wicked. So we're going to, that's going to get either, I'm going to try to tackle it at some point 
because I'm, you know, I'm pretty good at, uh, on our uh, power hammer and English wheel here. So yeah. I may try to beat it back into shape and use it, but, um, we're kind of leaning toward just hanging it on the wall and, you know, calling it wall art. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It'd, it'd be a fun challenge. Um, try and straighten that thing back out again and see how it looked. Yeah. Well, actually last year I got the opportunity to do that on one of the rear fenders because I was doing a burnout demo at the Hoonigans. Um, I do a lot of, do a lot of, you know, different stuff with the Hoonigans. And so I smashed it into a concrete barrier sideways and, uh, pushed the fender all the, like the fender and the bedside all the way to the frame, like pancaked it. So well, I had to take that apart and anneal it and stick it on the power hammer and got it pretty straight. So that that kind of made me think, eh, maybe I want to do that to the old front end, but I just haven't had time. Yeah. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's got a unique look to it now as well. You know, like it's not matching patina, but it's still it's still not new paint. It, it just it still looks right. Yeah. You know, it's it's been patinaed for so long, I, I still struggle with at some point, do I paint the thing? Do I leave it like this? You know, I just don't know. I know it. it's probably going to get a carbon fiber one-piece front clip eventually because I need to lose, like, 200 pounds off the nose mm. for, you know, for racing. And it, it would help me. It would just it would just balance out the truck a lot better because it's, it's pretty nose-heavy. Yeah, I mean, you, you could, the way it is now, you could get, like you say, get a carbon fiber uh, whole front clip done and then, you could get one of these uh, graphic guys to do to do a wrap that would match the original patina. Yeah, exactly. And and I don't think it would look much different because you know at any difference at any distance right now the front just looks black anyways. So I mean, with carbon fiber would look the same. It would just be you know, and I'd have it done in a matte finish. So I don't know. We'll see. There's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot up in the air right now on on what the next version of the truck will be like. Yeah. And I guess the main focus is on performance, really. You know, like what it looks like is is kind of secondary. It really is too, because I would never put a big gaudy wing on the back of any truck. <laughs> uh, but this, I mean, I have to have it there, or I will die. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's uh, it's there's there's many many things that are on Old Smokey um, that are purely out of necessity, not. Uh, not just for looks like the wing needs to be there because it's unstable at speed. Um, you know, the big front splitter, uh, or duckbill, whatever you want to call it, that has to be there to keep it from lifting at speed. Um, you know, the cutouts and the fenders, there's no tailgate. Like it just, it's, I mean, it's not really a truck anymore. If you really want to look at it, but at least, it, at least it started out as one. Yeah, no, that's cool. And I, I think I heard you say in one of the videos I saw a while ago that you had a you had a goal to to uh, to be able to do two hundred miles an hour in a in a measured mile. Did have you have you done that yet? I have. You know what? I haven't attempted it because um, that was my goal initially, and then Pikes Peak came into play, and I and I had converted it over to be a Pikes Peak hill climb truck. So I think when the truck is retired from pro racing, I think the last thing I want to do with it is go out and break the diesel, you know, land speed record in the mile. Yeah, that'd be cool. So I think it, it was it was like 198 miles an hour 
a few years ago when I was talking about it. Now it's like 210 or something like that. But, you know, Old Smokey already holds the half-mile land speed record for a diesel at 167. So I think if you give me another half-mile to get some ahead of steam up, I can definitely get another 40 miles an hour out of it. Yeah. And, and where do you measure that? Do you do that out at Bonneville, or, or where would you do that? Um, so half-mile and mile land speed racing is usually done on airstrips. So, I mean, they have the Mojave Mile out here, but I don't the past couple of years they haven't had it it was canceled so I'm, I'm not sure if that's a thing that's going to start back up again but that's out that's out in the out in the desert on dirt so so something i saw on your instagram that um i guess it's already happened but i think it's it's hitting uh people's uh tv screens tomorrow but uh you and ken block have gone head to head yeah so a few weeks ago uh, ken and i went head to head you know ken ken is one of the um uh, founders of Hoonigan and I'm, I'm a Hoonigan athlete. So it's always, it's always been talked about, but we finally got to do it. And, uh, I can't really give you any details of it, but we went, uh, we did two heads up, uh, dig races and one roll race. And then, uh, that's, uh, that'll be on the Hoonigans YouTube, uh, December 3rd at 9am my time. So I don't even know when, when that would be for you guys, but that's when it's dropping. Yeah, we're, we're operating in the future. You're in the future? <laughs> so what, what time is it where you're at right now? Uh, so for you, it's Tuesday night, right? Yeah. Yeah, so for me, it's Wednesday afternoon. It's uh, nearly half past three in the afternoon on Wednesday. <laughs> that's wild. <laughs> time, zones, time zones are a trip. Yeah, it's strange. It's every Every time I come over to America, you know, you – you take off here in Australia and you land in America about two hours after you left. Yeah. That's a, that's kind of a trip. I mean, even when I, even when I fly cross country to Florida, that's, that's what it's like. I just, you go back in time Yeah, <laughs> kind of a trip. Oh, that's cool. So, so you race Ken, I mean, that's not really a fair race. He, he's got an all wheel drive vehicle, right? Yeah. It's totally, I mean, make no mistake. I'm not, I didn't, I honestly didn't go to win because I didn't even, I didn't even have my truck on kill. Like I, I brought my truck as I raced it at Pikes peak, yeah. which is the lowest horsepower rating that I run in that truck. It's between 900 and a thousand. And, uh, you know, I run my small turbos and everything else. So I took it to race Ken. I've got a 4,000 pound truck with a thousand horsepower and rear wheel drive and zero traction aids or launch control or anything like that. And, um, you know, the Hoonicorn is, it's freaking amazing. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's all wheel drive. It's got all the aids. It's got anti-lag. Um, you know, it's only 3000 pounds and he's making 1400 horsepower on methanol. So, uh, you know, no one's beat him yet. <laughs> <laughs> You're not giving anything away. He just, uh, yeah, he just, uh, he just raced a, um, um, uh, he just raced a eight second all wheel drive drag car and he beat that. So it's very fast. I think he's, I think his car, if he took it to a, to like a prep drag, drag strip, he'd, he'd be in the very low eights. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, he's got everything at his disposal, doesn't he? Like he's, it's funny. I, I grew up, you know, I actually snowboarded, um, 
I was a sponsored snowboarder back in the early days of snowboarding, and and I was sponsored by <laughs> I was I was sponsored by DC Shuko when they first started doing um, snowboard boots and stuff like that. And so I, I got a long history with DC, and you know, kind of watching. A lot of people don't really know where Ken Block came from, but you know, he's come from a shoe manufacturing uh-huh. background and the skateboarding, and and to see to see him sort of go from that in all of a sudden he becomes this mad rally driver and um yeah and just creates this amazing content it's yeah it's awesome to see someone chasing a dream yeah no ken ken's chasing the dream and he's living it you know just uh, i feel like we're both doing the same thing we're just trying to have as much fun and uh be you know make a success out of the out of having fun at the same time uh it's funny you say that because i was i was a sponsored snowboarder as well oh yeah right and uh my my last uh my last big sponsorship deal with Old Smoky um, came from uh, the uh, head of marketing at Burton recognized me at SEMA and we started talking because I, 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 uh, I had uh, done stuff for Burton and uh, analog clothing before. Yeah. And so we got talking and eventually like they became my, t- uh, he was the president of Air Raid at the time. And so they became my uh, title sponsor. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. So where whereabouts was your home mountain? Uh, that would be North Star was my favorite. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, everything else took a second to that. I actually had a lot of fun at uh, uh, Boreal because uh, later later in my snowboarding career, they they had built a really awesome park there. And it was just boring. We, we used to call it Boring Hill, but then we, you know, as soon as they made it into a really cool you know, park and everything else like that. Like, I, I feel like I had the most fun there. Yeah. Yeah, I did a season at North Star. Um, I remember their big slogan was in the train park, like, if you put every rail end-to-end, it would be longer than the Titanic. That's what they used to always claim. <laughs> <laughs> they had a pretty they had a pretty cool park. I I never really was a, was a rail guy. Like, I liked boxes, big jumps, um, wall rides. Like, wall rides are my favorite. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's just there's so much stuff you can do. It was just it was a good time. Yeah, and it was a, that's a good area. I mean, the North Star and Sierra shared a pass, and then you know you've got mm-hmm. you know you've got Squaw. You had a heap of really good resorts right in that area. That that's cool. Yeah, I never really never. There's too many two plankers at Squaw. I was never really a big fan of that place. <laughs> yeah. Ah, that's cool, mate. All right. Well, listen. Um, if people want to check out your stuff, you know, you're on Instagram. You're at Chuckles Garage. And then you yep. you got a YouTube channel by the same name, no doubt. Yeah, every everything I have, like my Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, um, YouTube, it's all at Chuckles Garage. And then um, the truck on Instagram has its own uh, page, and it's just at Old Smoky F One. And then uh, you know I'd be doing my do my title sponsor a disservice if I didn't mention them, but. Uh, you know, my title sponsor this year and next is uh, Fast Fuel Systems. And they're, uh, I think all their handles are the same, uh, just at Fast Fuel Systems. You can check them out. They have merch of the truck. So if anybody wants like an old smoky F1 t-shirt, they head to uh, Fast Fuel Systems. No, that's awesome. That's pretty much it. And um, I saw that you're doing some t-shirts for your own shop and, and there's one there you're doing. I, I think I'm going to have to order one. It's the it's the run DMC takeoff, but it's a uh, run six, <laughs> six BT. And I, I really, think I that's sold, cool. I sold a ton of those. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got, uh, I made, I took the, 
so I saw I, I basically ripped off the idea because I saw Run to Jay Z um, on a shirt, and I'm like, that is so cool. I'm like, but they screwed the font up. Like, that's not what the Run DMC font looks like. So I, you know, perfected it, and then I so I redid the Run to Jay Z one, um, and then I re- I made a Run E85 one for uh, guys that just want to want to run the corn the corn fuel. Um, I made a Run LSX one. And then uh, run six BT. Yeah, yeah. No, that's cool. It's uh, it's some good stuff. All right, mate. Look, I I appreciate you taking the time to chat to us, and you know, I guess when it comes to a lot of guys buy an old truck and and they restore it or they resto mod it, you know, just to make the street handling a little bit better. But you know, I think of uh, of all the interviews we've done so far, uh, you might have taken it to the extreme. Yeah, I, I like I said, man. I have a, I have a problem with self restraint, and if I, and if I have a bunch of big companies that are trying to <laughs> showcase the biggest gnarliest stuff they have, like I'll, I'll throw it into one thing and and make it go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kind of, kind of what old Smokey is. Yeah, and is there a, is there a future build plan? Like you know, you, you you sort of hinted at when old Smokey retires, but you know, do you have a a plan to keep doing this stuff and keep racing or, or will you move on to something else once you've got the challenge down? What, what's the plans? So, so I've set, I set the, I set my big goal with old Smokey of, you know, fastest diesel at Pike's peak and the build. So it's not going to really take over for old Smokey cause it's going to race side by side with it. Um, but for 2021, I'm building a diesel powered LMP car. So I will be running a, a prototype that looks very much like the Volkswagen, the electric Volkswagen that ran up there. Yeah. So, you know, very, very lightweight, you know, 2,000 pounds, probably 700 horsepower eco diesel made by Moto Motori. Um, they use them in the uh, uh, Dodge half-ton trucks. So, yeah, super, super high-power diesel not a truck, but you know, a full Le Mans prototype car. And then I just want to, I just want to, I want to bring the, so I've got the diesel record now at 1124 and I want to bring it into the nine minute realm at Pike's peak. Yeah. That'd be amazing. Poor old Smokey's going to lose the title. That's okay. I'll, I'll still mine. As long as my name is on it, I'm okay with it. (laughs) (laughs) And that's, and that's my whole thought process behind it. Like if, uh, you know, my main competition is this uh, French guy in a Volkswagen Bug up there that's got a uh, TDI in it. Oh yeah. And he was only one. He was only one second behind me this year. And um, mostly because my truck went into limp mode, like you know, for the last third of the race. But um, yeah, I just don't. I want to make the record so I can at least brag about it for like the next ten or ten or so years. You know. <laughs> I don't want to set it and then lose it the next year. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you, you know, you've proven that you can take an overweight unaerodynamic heap up that mountain pretty fast. So the challenge then is to say, how fast can you actually just get a diesel vehicle up there? Obviously. Exactly. And that, and that's where I want to take it. And I've got, I've got a lot of really good backing on this, on this project too. So, uh, yeah, I just want to, I want to blow the record out of the water and, and make it, you know, much harder to obtain. Yeah. Well, maybe you can uh, wind old Smokey back down and just use it to trailer 
the um, the other one to the race. <laughs> I can't I can't imagine being stuck in that thing for twenty eight hours cross country. <laughs> oh, that thing is such a it's so uncomfortable inside. You you uh, I mean, if you've ever had an old pickup, there's no room in them in the first place. Yeah. I mean, and then if you the I mean, after the roll cage and the safety stuff and your full containment seat and then the engine being sunk back like halfway behind the firewall, like you can barely fit two feet in the in the footwell. It's so uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm six foot four, so I, I have a problem to start with. And then um, my, my truck I'm building, it's a 1950 Chevy and it's got the 6BT in it, but I, I'm running the Dodge radiator and intercooler and everything. So I've... I've basically had to cut my firewall out. I've pushed the Cummins back so that cylinder six is inside the firewall line. And the other big issue that I that I face that, that you don't is that my vehicle's right-hand drive. So all the turbo, <laughs> you know, like the, the turbo is where I want to have a yep. brake booster and a pedal box, you know. So I, I'm having to, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push my firewall out just so I've got the leg room and... Uh, and I've had to, you know, get a, a non-symmetrical um, manifold and flip it so the turbo's up high at the front, and you know, make some space right. in there because they're obviously they were built for a left-hand drive truck. Yeah, that's how smoky is. So I took a, uh, I took a third-gen Cummins manifold, and I flipped it upside down, so the turbo is as far forward as it can it can be. Yeah. But even even at that, my engine is so I have maybe a third of the number three piston and then the four, five, and six all behind my firewall. Holy shit. So, yeah. (laughs) I can literally rest my elbow on like cylinder six if I really wanted to. Yeah. See, you don't need a heater in there. Oh, it gets so hot. That's what I said. It's a torture rack. Like, I mean, 12 minutes or so on that thing and you're done. You just want to get out. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, mate. Well, look, I'll let you go. Um, thanks again for for chatting to us. Really appreciate it. Um, you know, very unique vehicle and and something for the Ford guys uh, to enjoy. Uh, I I do put a lot of Chev content on the podcast because it just seems to be a lot more people building high end Chevs. But but there's some really cool stuff out there. And uh, yeah, and once again, thanks for taking the time and joining us. All right, thanks for having me on, man. Well, that's the show for this week. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. All information shared in our episodes is general and you should contact your engineer for advice on your build. Please remember to rate and review the podcast on iTunes and share it with friends and fellow enthusiasts on Facebook, iTunes, or the good old word of mouth. I appreciate hearing feedback, good and bad. So please feel free to shoot me an email, classicpickuppodcast at gmail.com. If you are interested in advertising on the podcast, and have a relevant business, please get in touch. And finally, if you have a project you're building, it can be hard to find the time to work on it. Just spend 15 minutes a day, even if you only unbolt one panel or mount one bracket. You'll be amazed at how quickly it all adds up. The music you hear in the background of this podcast is called Hammer On Down by Uncle Bonehead. Until next week, enjoy the ride.